Good morning, Gospel Community Church, and happy fifth anniversary. Hope you enjoyed some donuts out there. It was on this day, this actual day, January 29th of 2012, that we launched Gospel Community Church in this very room. Some of you were here with us on that day as we celebrated what God would do through our church in this city. Others of you have joined us along the way as God called you into membership at GCC, as you joined our efforts to bring the gospel to Fayetteville and beyond. Some of you, it's your first time here or you've been coming here for a few weeks, and I wanted to say thank you. Thank you for being here today to celebrate with us and for our State of the Church address. On a normal Sunday, what Pastor Kirk gets up here and does is walk uh, line by line and verse by verse through a text. We walk 99% of the time through a book of the Bible, and currently we're going through the Gospel of Mark. But today is a special day. This is the day each year when we pause to reflect on the year before. We cast vision for where we are going and lay out steps on how to get there. This is also a special day because for the first time, uh, we, there are two elders sitting on the stage today. I was installed in September of last year, and so for the first time, I get to stand on the stage and help to deliver this State of the Church address. Amen. Today will be a family-style address. You're not seeing double vision. Uh, we are both going to stand up here because we both have things that we want to say to you, messages that we want to bring to you. And what we want to try and do, and I, and I say try, try loosely, this is the first time we've done this, um, is to have a, a dialogue where you would feel involved and also it feels like we're sitting in the living room having a, a family discussion. And so cozy up and, and let's get started talking about last year. To sum up 2016, I would say this, it was hard. It, it was a hard year. It was tiring. It was spiritually and emotionally draining. Now, don't let me skip over the victories of last year. We added new members. We baptized people in the name of the Lord We, uh, we, we gave our lives away uh, to the church, and you're still here. You're, you're still here, sitting in your chairs, worshiping your God, who is steadfast, though your circumstances be fickle. And it was these fickle and difficult circumstances that seemed to plague 2016. Let's see if I can involve everyone in the room. So if you're comfortable, raise your hand. I'd love to see hands raised. Uh, but if you're not uh, comfortable with that, just, just nod your head, okay? So let's see if we can get everybody involved in this. How many of you struggled with sickness last year? The, and, and everybody, just keep your hands raised. There was, there was debilitating pain that, that people had last year. There was two cases of, of cancer that we found out about last year in our body. Keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised. Um, there was children that had surgery last year. How many of you struggled with depression 
last year? How many of, of your marriages were, were on the rocks or difficult last year? How many of you felt attacked by the evil one last year? How many had job loss or job setback? How many stepped down from ministry or stepped back from ministry responsibilities because of the difficult, difficulties in, in, in your life? How many wanted to quit, to give up, to throw in the towel, and to say, I'm not coming back? Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hands down. And I think it's okay to talk about this, too. We have people who last year withdrew from community and are actually not sitting here with us now uh, because they're not gathering with us anymore. We've had people that, that left uh, the church last year, left, le left the body last year. Members of our family leave. And that's difficult. That's difficult. I know the amount of time my family and others of you have poured into those who are no longer here. And there's an emotional toll that that takes on you. But you're still here. You're still here. There has to be a reason why you're still here. You haven't quit. You haven't thrown in the towel. You haven't given up on community. You haven't given up on the gathering of the body. You haven't given up. And I believe that is a testament to the Lord and his work in you and in this body, preserving us through the trials, testing us, refining us, that we may be used more acutely in his kingdom and for his glory. Our goal today as we bring the State of the Union for you uh, is threefold. One, we want to unite this body. Not only in suffering, but in Christ that draws us through it. We want to see our suffering as a work of Christ that is working in us to make us more like him who suffered on our behalf. Number two, we want to inspire. At the tail end of last year, we created a vision statement of our church. And we believe that it is that vision statement that inspires us to continue forward and press on by knowing what we value. And third, we want to give clear steps on how to march forward in the face of fickle circumstances and in the faith of Christ. So, Kirk, we've been planted for five years now. And what would you say would be the most difficult year that, that you've passed with this church? Uh, e each year I keep thinking that it, that it can't get harder yeah. <laughs> um, or, or that, it, that it couldn't get more difficult. But um, I, I think I would echo, you know, kind of what a lot of people felt um, this year that in particular uh, 2016 it was just really hard. It was just really, really hard. Um, again, just the, a, a lot of the things that, that you stated um, with, with sickness and job loss and, um, you know, just, just a lot of uh, depression and, and people dealing with anxiety and addictions um, this year that, that was just really hard on our church body um, and, and, you know, particularly hard uh, on me. So, yeah, I, I would say 2016. Um, 
Well, we've talked uh, about, you and I have talked about your struggles throughout last year. And so what you just listed was the, the generic umbrella struggles that everybody has faced. And so could you tell us some about your specific struggles and, and how 2016 was for you and for your family? Yeah, I, Chelsea and I have talked. I, <clears throat> I, I, would, I would call 2016 uh, essentially, for me personally, the, the year of self-doubt. Um, I just... I, I got into a rhythm to where um, I, I was constantly telling myself and believing um, that I just, I didn't have uh, what, it, what it takes, I didn't have what it took to continue to, to pastor this church. Um, that, that you guys would be better served by someone else uh, with different skill sets, um, probably someone who's a little more compassionate, um, pr probably someone who, <clears throat> um, has, has uh, j just different skills. Um, again, I, I think everybody gets caught up in looking at, at someone else from the outside and believing that, that they've got it all together and, and pastors are the same way. And so, you know, you would look out, like I would look out at these other pastors who were leading their churches and think, man, those guys are, you know, they just have something that I don't have and that's why it's easier for them. Uh, and so I, I just became really convinced um, that I just, I don't have the right skill set here. Um, I need to be more outgoing. You know, my church needs me to be more outgoing. I'm more, you know, introverted than extra. So it would be better for my church if I was more outgoing. Uh, it would be better for my church if I didn't think about systems and structure all the time, because that's how my brain works. Um, the church already has most of its systems and structures that it needs. That's kind of what we did for the last five years. And so um, all that's in place. And, and so probably the church would be better off if somebody else came in and kind of took it from here. Um, because I'm, I'm kind of the starter, you know, I come in, get something started, set up, and then it's just kind of time for me to, um, to, to move on and go on and, and do something else. Um, and I, I convinced myself of that and just really doubted um, how, how God had wired me and made me, um, that, that honestly I just didn't, didn't really have what it, what it took to, to keep on going. Um, and, and here's, here's the bottom line, and uh, this is something that, that I just wanted to share with you guys. Um, exhaustion often makes you lose sight of what is important. It clouds sound judgment uh, and robs you of positive thinking. Uh, it, 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 2016 was exhausting for me. Anyone else? Just, just with the pace of everything. And so um, I, I think I began to believe those lies uh, simply based on the fact that I was working too much. I was doing uh, too much. And so exhaustion um, help make, makes you lose sight of what's important. And so um, I, was, I was looking for ways to produce fruit. I wanted to produce more fruit in this church, not just numerical growth, but also greater spiritual growth in, in the people. And I was working so hard, exhausting myself to do that when... <laughs> whose job is it to produce fruit? <laughs> and so I lost sight of what was important, which is faithfulness, not producing fruit. Um, but I lost sight of what's important. Um, I, I started having poor judgment. Um, so so I, I got so exhausted uh, in 2016 that uh, basically um, my, my wife and David both said, hey, you need, you need a sabbatical. You need to go away and go do something. And so here's what I did. I scheduled meetings every night of the week before I went on sabbatical. 
I was exhausted from meetings, about to go on sabbatical, and so I scheduled meetings every single night before I went on sabbatical, okay? So, so exhaustion makes you have very, very poor judgment, um, and, and it makes you lose sight of what's important. It, it, it you know, makes you have uh, poor judgment, and uh, it robs you of positive thinking, and so I just, I, I couldn't see any good or bright future um, for the church. I, I, I had dug myself in a hole um, phys- physically exhausted from working too much, too many hours, not just this year, but basically every year, the planting of the church. Um, emotionally exhausted because um, working with and dealing with people's sin as your full-time job, okay, uh, is messy. Uh, pastoring your friends, peers uh, is messy. Um, and, and all of that just kind of culminates in not just physical exhaustion, but emotional exhaustion, uh, also spiritual exhaustion. I, I was not, I was giving out too much and not putting enough in. And so if you, if you keep pouring out the Kool-Aid, you know, what, what eventually happens, the, the pitcher um, runs, runs empty. And so, um, you know, we've all, who in here has thought about quitting your job? Okay, yeah, we've all, <laughs> we've all thought about um, quitting our job. Um, but, but I was really making serious plans uh, in my mind to uh, just to go do something else, uh, to, to figure out another career path, um, to, start a, to start my own business. Um, uh, I, I had a plan to just to, you know, recommend some great churches for you guys to go to and just, you know, in Jesus' name, we'll, we'll see you all later. Um, and yeah, so that, that was pretty much my, my 2016. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> hey, he asked for it. I'm just... <laughs> I asked the questions. I don't know what's going what's gonna to come. Yeah. Uh, but no, I can, I can definitely identify with especially the emotional e- exhaustion that comes. I, I had uh, times during the year. Uh, do you ever get this way where you don't want to laugh because you're probably going to cry? Uh, <laughs> maybe it's just me. That, yeah, that, that's, where, that's where I was at at times. Again, the, especially when we would have a, a heavy counseling load um, dealing with people's sin, uh, calling them to repentance and, and holiness, and, and, and on and on and on, it, it, it does, it takes its toll. Um, so, so you were there, and you're sitting here. So those are two opposite, two completely opposite things. How are you still sitting here with a willingness to preach the Word of God, uh, get messy in the sin of people's lives, um, Staying faithful to your church, staying faithful to your wife. How, how are you still here and doing what you're doing? Yeah, this is this is definitely something. I mean, you know, like like you said, you, you and I talked about it, and you know, I, I really want to share, um, you know, just some of my heart, you know, with with you guys today, kind of beyond um, what doing, doing some mic changing. Oh, we're good. Okay. Um, two two things. One. Um, by God's grace. So, so let me start by saying this. How, the, the question is kind of like, how, how am I still here? Well, one, there, there's, there was not like a watershed moment. Like I, I didn't wake up one day and go, boom, this is it. Um, there, there was no silver bullet um, that, that kind of helped dig me out of the hole that I had dug myself in. And so um, again, in, in that time, while there was, there was no real uh, disqualifying sin that disqualified me from ministry. I had I'd constantly been believing lies about who I was and how I lead and how God had made me. 
Um, and, and so there wasn't one day when I, my head popped off the pillow, I went, no more believing in lies. I only believe, you know, the gospel truth today, and I'm marching on, you know, victorious in Christ. Um, that wasn't my experience. So there wasn't a watershed moment, um, but, but it was a grind. Um, I, I think of two things. One, even though the word of God um, felt cold to me, uh, I continued to cling to it. Um, I, I think that my pursuit of wanting to know the Bible, um, even though, again, as, as a pastor, um, it, it felt cold to me as I would go to it, as I would read it. Um, that was the reality of it. Uh, and so basically for, for the last six months of 2015, I lived inside of Romans uh, chapter 5, uh, in particular um, verses 3 through 5. Um, where, where Paul kind of begins by uh, not, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Uh, I, kept, I kept reading that, that first part of that over and over again, realizing that I wasn't really rejoicing in my sufferings. I, I, had, I was devoid of joy, um, but, but there Paul was talking about not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. And then kind of what followed that, even though I even though, again, the word of God felt cold to me, even though um, joy and, again, a positive picture of the future felt so far away, I wanted what he followed all of that stuff up with. So not only that, um, but, but we rejoice in our sufferings because suffering produces endurance. And so I, I, wanted, I wanted to keep going. Um, I wanted to quit. I wanted to throw in the towel, um, but I still wanted to keep going. I, I wanted to do the right thing, but I didn't want to do the right thing. You guys ever experienced that? Uh, yeah, so the, the Apostle Paul says the thing you know, that, that I don't want to do, I keep on doing. So there's this desire to want to, but, but yet you don't. And so um, I, would, I was reading this text that said, not only do we rejoice in sufferings, but sufferings produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Uh, and so at the end of the day, um, I kept going back to, to that word um, to, to sustain me, to basically get me through 2016. So, so how am I still here? I think one, I kept going back to God's word by God's grace I kept going back to his word, even though it felt cold to me. Um, I think the second thing is um, everything in me wanted to pull away and, and not connect with other people. Um, that, that's basically when I get stressed, depressed, exhausted, um, I want to, uh, you know, basically find a cabin in the woods and live off grid, you know, for the next 50 years. Uh, that, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to retreat inward. Um, but even though everything in me wanted to retreat inward, um, I knew that God's call in my life was to share life with others. Um, and so in that, in sharing life uh, with others is, is kind of those two things combined. And so there, there were families. Um, I, I, I would say all, all of the families in this church, um, in, in particular, I, I would say the, the, the Patton family, um, poured so much into Chelsea and I. Um, I would say the, the Martin family in particular poured so much, just encouraged um, Chelsea and I, the, the Thacker family. Again, I, I could just continue to name family after family um, that we committed to live life with, um, and, and that, that's really ultimately what, what brought us through. So I, I share all of that um, kind of where, where I came what I came through this year, and let me just say with 
crystal clarity. I'm not 100% out, dug out of the hole that I dug myself in, okay? But here is what I do know. I'm more committed to the vision of this church than ever before because I saw it work in my life this year. So not only do I believe the vision of Gospel Community Church can change you and can change other people. This year, I saw it change me personally. And so, so when, I, when I talk about the vision of Gospel Community Church, listen, I'm not, I'm not throwing it out there as some type of hollow statement. I'm, I'm not throwing the, the vision statement of Gospel Community Church out here as a slogan to be put on the wall, uh, but as something that has literally changed my life, and I believe in it now more than ever. I'm calling you as your pastor to give your life to this vision because I've seen it work personally in my life, in, in the life of my family and my wife. And so here is that vision. The, the vision of Gospel Community Church is to know the Bible and to share life with others, bringing hope to Fayetteville and the world. Okay, so, so listen, when we say knowing the Bible, we're, we're not talking about just uh, simply taking the facts of the Bible and putting them into our brains, but we're talking about knowing the Bible in an intimate sense that we take the facts of the Bible, we put them down into our heart, and then it transforms our life. So, so this isn't just a uh, mentally acknowledging that, oh yes, there is a God somewhere uh, and the Bible has some interesting things to say, but it is a, a honest pursuit to really know God's word, to really know Jesus who is God's word, to take the very words of the scripture and get them down deep in our soul and live a saturated, a Bible saturated life. That, that is our pursuit as a church. That if you, what are we doing in 2017? That's what we're going to do. We're going to pursue knowing God's word. Not only are we going to pursue knowing God's word, but we're going to pursue sharing life with other people, giving our lives away to other people, living life alongside of other people. So when our friends and when our family, when our church members are depressed, when we're low, when we're fired from our jobs, when we can't pay our bills, it is the church family that rallies around one another because we are living life together. Not only living life with the people in this room, but also living life with the lost, those who don't know Christ, so that they might come to know Christ. That's what we're going to give ourselves to. That's the vision. That's the direction of 2017, is to know the Bible and share life together, bringing hope to Fayetteville and the world. And when we say this word hope, we're not talking about um, an anticipation or a desire for the thing that you want to happen, happen. That, that is essentially what we think of when we think of the word hope. Uh, hope means, you know, I hope my favorite football team wins. Uh, I hope that, you know, I get a raise. I hope that I get a bigger house. I hope I, you know, I get a better car. Uh, I hope there's a parking spot in the front at the grocery store. That is not the hope that we are talking about. The hope that we are talking about means this. Hope is the confidence that I belong to God because of Jesus' work on the cross. It is a solid assurance that he is turning all of my suffering into something good and a certainty that one day he will return and fix everything that is broken. It is that type of deep certainty that we are wanting to see uh, manifest itself in our lives and the lives of Fayetteville and the world. And, and again, friends, this, this vision is what people are looking for. Many people live with a sense of frustration, with a sense of emptiness, looking for something to hope in, hanging their hope on their jobs, hanging their hopes on their cars, hanging their hopes on what they can build, what they can create. 
And really, truly what they're hoping for, what they're looking for is a hope that can support the hope of the human soul. You see, a promotion can't support all of the hope of the human soul. Sex cannot support the hope of the human soul. What the, what the hope of the human soul is hoping for is an eternal glory which can only be found in Christ himself. And so when we say hope, what we're talking about is a message of hope, the substance of hope, that is the hope of the gospel. And so that, that's what we want to build and see come about more and more in our own life, is that hoping in the gospel. And, and we want to see that gospel go out to more and more people. And, and so what what we want to do in 2017 is keep a laser focus on knowing the Bible and sharing life with other people so that we might bring hope not only to our lives. Again, what, what got me through 2016 was hope, a, a hope in the gospel. We want to see that go out to, to Fayetteville and the whole world. Okay, Now, um, as, as we have said before, that, that type of vision, again, it's, it's uh, I mean, Fayetteville and the whole world, you know, that's, that's, a, uh, that's, a, pretty big, that's a pretty big vision. Um, in any, any type of big vision or big idea or big dream, uh, it, it needs some type of practicality. So it's easy for me to throw out the 30,000-foot idea of that. Okay, we're going to know the Bible and live life together. Um, bringing hope to Fayetteville and the whole world. Let's go out and get them. I'm going to pray and we're going to go. Um, there, there's got to be some practicality somewhere. Um, and, and so how, how do we make this type of vision become a reality? How, how do we make this practical? I think I know where you're going with this. Oh, you do? Yeah. Why don't you I'm tell trying, us? I'm trying to lean into my mic so yeah. you can hear me. <laughs> <laughs> Before I talk money, let, let's talk Bible. Uh, we read Acts 2. If you can turn in your Bible to Acts 2, 44 through 45. It says this. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. What zeal the early church had. What eagerness they had about the church and the return of Christ. In fact, they believed that the return of Christ was so imminent that they lived in light of His return. A life that shed the worldly for the heavenly. They sold their things to give. They dug deep to give they gave out of their poverty, all because they were so caught up in the return of Christ that their earthly possessions seemed cheap. And hey, it is imminent. Christ is coming again, and we should live for that, not for this world. Sure, they had food to buy, they had shelter to pay for, but their focus was on honoring the Lord. Therefore, I believe it's quite the balance that we walk in our homes and in our church as well. 
On the one hand, we must pay our bills, right? We must save for a rainy day. We must provide for our family, work a job. We must keep our households running. The same is true for the church. We must pay the light bill or the power gets cut off. We must pay our pastor so that he doesn't have to spend his days and his nights working another job to provide for his family, thus having less time to devote for Gospel Community Church. We must pay our rent, our gas bill, our light bill, our cable bill. We must pay for background checks, for state fees, for all of the things that this world demands. But just like you, we want to do so much more. Yeah. I bet each month you feel the strain of how much money that you devote to the must-do category and how little gets spent on the want-to-do category. You want to go on vacation, but the bills are due. You want to give more, but the car just broke down. You want to eat out, but the kids need lunch money. We feel that strain too. The church also has a want-to-do category. In fact, we believe it's this category that is the most important. And it grieves me when it can't be attended to. Therefore, we have worked to create a set of values, goals, and steps that we hope will drive our church out of a financial rut and focus us on eternity, just like the early church. Here is our value statement. GCC desires to walk in financial health that is both sustainable and honoring to the Lord. Now, let me give a quick definition for those two words uh, before we go on. Sustainable, the ability to pay the must-pay bills from our monthly giving while not dipping into other monies that we have or credit cards. Honoring the Lord. While paying our bills, we want to focus our money on specific areas that we feel God is calling us to devote ourselves to. So our picture of financial health is to be able to pay our bills while focusing our attention on the things we feel God is calling ourselves to devote ourselves to. So let's look back at 2016 and see how we did. It's on the screen now. In 2016, our total giving, this is our tithes and offerings, was $118,843. I said that wrong. $118,843. Yes, that is a lot of money. Yes, you're right. And it may be confusing. The the rent rent right there means rental income. We also rent out our facility for others to to use. Um, And we received $12,000 from that. And so combined, plus some some extra like bookstore money and stuff, uh, we received $131,783. I even practiced that in 68 cents. And our expenses were $138,000. Yeah. Uh, uh, our year-end total was negative. But, but no cigar. <laughs> negative $6,300. 
so here's how I think we got here before I explain that part. Here's how I think we got here. The results of last year, our tithe was down 9%. So from 2015 to 2016, our tithe was down 9%, which is $6,840. That bridges that $6,300 gap. Um, our utilities were up 14% to almost $2,000, and see what the cause was. See, see, see what, what happened. It made it where our missions giving, the things that we want to do, was down 30, 43%. That includes benevolence, our giving to Acts 29, our giving to uh, Scotland, the things that we want to do. As a result of the first two, the tithe and then exorbitant utility bills, uh, we were able to do less. Less money came in. We had an extraordinarily hot summer, which jacked up our, 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 our cooling bill, and our expenses outweighed our income. So the natural question, how are we still here? How are, we, how are the lights still on? How are we still here? Well, our, our savings was depleted. Our missions account was used up. And our benevolence was spent. And plus, we, we also have a, a, a credit, credit card that, that has part of those Georgia Power payments on it right now. It's hard to spend money on the things that you want to spend money on when you have to defund them to stay afloat. Here's a lesson that, that I learned and I think we can learn as a church. God is in control of this church. Not us. God is in control. As much gray hair as I have sprouted that my wife shows me, over the yo-yoing of our bank account last year, our doors are not shut, our lights are still on, and God has not ceased to provide for the needs of this church. Amen. Therefore, we want to press forward with confidence that He is working and with a plan for sustainability and honoring of the Lord, we will move forward with His plan. This is why we created the 80-20 plan. It's a plan that implements our values of sustainability and honoring of the Lord by identifying the goals we believe God has called this church to specifically and lays out clear steps we can make as members to see it through. So let's take a look at the slide that we've created for our 80-20 plan and the goals that we have set up. In the top uh, right hand or left-hand corner for you, uh, we want to operate the church we want to operate the church on 80% of what we bring in, okay? That means paying the must-pay bills on those 80%. Uh, on a monthly basis, that's Kirk, rent, Georgia Power, gas, internet, insurance, water, planning center, P.O. box, and the myriad of other bills uh, that we pay. By doing that, that is sustainable. If you don't spend all of your money or, or more than all of your money every month, you can continue on and on and on to do that. That is sustainable. If we can keep our costs down, which anyone who has asked me for money knows that I strive to do that. Our ministry heads know that very well. <clears throat> strive to keep down our costs and our giving up. 
we can assure that we will not have to dip into our savings to operate the church. The other 20% of our income will be devoted into the three areas that we feel God is calling us specifically to do. The first one is fund the mission. We are a church plant about church planting. That's right. We, we want to see churches built in Fayetteville, in the surrounding areas, and throughout the world. So we want to designate 10% of our income towards planning for a church plant and supporting current church planters. Currently, we're supporting Living Hope Church in Inverness, Scotland. Uh, many of you are familiar with Pete Rennie. He's been here and preached for us before um, and are familiar with the, the, the area of Scotland, northern Scotland, that he's preaching in is a very secular area that needs the light of the gospel to shine. And we want to support them. Also, we are supporting Acts 29 Southeast. Uh, last year, Acts 29 divided into uh, regions, and we're in the southeast region, as many of you can imagine. Uh, this offers more specific help and encouragement to pastors in, in our area. Uh, therefore, when we give, our money goes right back to our region for the training and support of pastors in the south. Next, we want to help families in need. Benevolence has been the hallmark of Gospel Community Church. This church, much like the, the early church in Acts 29, is known for selling our possessions and giving to those in need here in our body. I have personally seen a car given to a, a single mom. I've seen bills paid. Um, I've seen food purchased. I've seen gas bought. And the list goes on. We want to always make sure that there is money set aside to fund this very important calling on our church, and we want to set aside 5% of our income to do so. And last, we want to save for the future. Dave Ramsey says, get an umbrella because it's going to rain. You're going to have to use that rainy day fund. The last 5% of our income must be saved. Uh, we know that there are purchases that must be made. We know that they, things break and need replacing. Uh, we know that there are many scenarios where we just need some extra cash and don't want to rob it from our missions and benevolence funds. Combined, these are the goals of Gospel Community Church, to walk in financial health that is both sustainable and honoring to the Lord. So you must be sitting there asking yourself, well, what does this mean for me? I'm glad you asked, and I actually prepared for that. We can go to the next slide where that explains that. <clears throat> it means, on the, it'll be on the left-hand side, I, 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 or your right-hand side. I, I explained the left-hand side already. Um, it means that you tithe. A tithe is 10% of, of your income. Uh, we have your giving statements in the, in the lobby behind the coffee bar that you can pick up after service. One thing that you can do is actually take those giving statements home and open them up and look at them. Not only are they good to write off on your taxes, but they're good to compare to your giving to see how you did last year. Um, I don't know how much money you make. 
This is the question only you can answer. Am I being faithful in the tithe? We believe that a tithe is also a sign of spiritual maturity. Am I strong in my belief that God will provide for me when I give to him? And let's be real. It's also discipline. The Patton family is notorious for leaving the checkbook in the diaper bag or leaving the checkbook at home or not remembering. I'm the Patton family. By the, by the way, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me. Uh, I, my family is notorious for not knowing how much our gross was or whatever and, and saying, okay, we'll give it next week. It, and it's a discipline to bring your checkbook or, or, or give online or, or to, to remember how much to give. Um, and, and so we want to grow uh, in that as well. It's also a sign of your eschatology. Has anybody ever thought of it that way? It's a sign of your eschatology. Eschatology is the, the study of your, or your belief in, in the end times. <clears throat> uh, the early believers in Acts 2 were so sure of the return of Christ that the riches, and the riches of his kingdom that their riches were cheap, as I said before. And I've actually got more to say on that in just a minute, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip ahead. Um, number two, we're called to give regularly. Just as you rely on a regular paycheck uh, so that you're able to budget your money, so the church needs a, a steady stream of, of donations to be able to operate. Uh, just think if you didn't have a paycheck or didn't know when your paycheck was coming in, which month it was coming in, how much was coming at a, at a time. It'd be difficult to know you could pay all of your light bill and still have money to pay for the gas bill. Um, it's the same for us. And so please uh, utilize online giving if you need to. Uh, you can set up a, a steady stream of, of, of donations if you like. Uh, you can go to our website at gospelcc.com to set that up. There's a, a link right there to click, click uh, giving, and you can set it up. For other you, other you, others of you who are more disciplined than me, um, you can also bring checks in, in the morning. Um, and third, and I think this is important, and I know that there are people in our church that are doing this, is to give above and beyond. This is about giving above and beyond the tithe. I believe that um, this is what the text is talking about in Acts 2. These people didn't say that they were done giving or, I'm sorry, I gave it work. Um, no, they actually sold their possessions to be able to give more away, thus investing in God's kingdom. Ask God in prayer how he is calling you to give. Ask him to give you the means and the faith to trust him beyond your comfort level. And challenge yourself. This is not about giving enough to satisfy God. It's about giving as an act of worship to him as the provider and sustainer. I, I know that we will not regret it if we trust God with our money beyond our means. Skip the fancy coffee. Do date night in. Don't take impulse with you when you go shopping. Forego the fleeting pleasures of the world to invest in everlasting joy. And this flows back to the eschatology. A new car will not make you a new man, nor a per new purse make you a new woman. A new house will not make you a new marriage, nor will the best toys make the best kids. We search for newness by throwing our money towards fixes that don't fix and savings that don't save. We must put our money where our eschatology is. We must invest in eternity, not retirement. Build God's kingdom, not our war chest. 
I believe that the newness we desire is in the renewing power of Christ and his work through his church. We invest in the church. We save for the church. We give our lives away to the church. That is where our money gains its most dividends. Well, I just called everybody to give all their money away and... Surely that's not the end of it. There, there, that seems to be just a, a, a fruit of what we're calling our people to. Is that, is that correct? That's correct. We're doing tag team now? Tag I'm in? Yeah. Boom. Tag I'm in. You guys okay with tag team? Yeah. All right. We're tagging back in. Um, yeah. To basically throw money at a problem um, is never the solution, Correct. Um, the, the Christian life is actually asking something more. And so um, while we, we must be um, instructed and, and taught about the tithe and, and about giving, um, again, Christianity and, and the church in particular is not something where you get to say, hey, I, I gave my money, I'm good. Um, there, there's actually something more. And so uh, though our, our style today is, is a little bit different, um, back and forth than what you're used to, uh, I think we would be remiss if, uh, if we didn't at least walk through a text and exegete it. So can we do that this morning? You guys still awake? All right, let's do it. Acts 2. Let's just walk through it. We're going to go through it pretty quick. Acts chapter 2, uh, start in verse 42. So what we're asking people to do in light of the vision of the church. Okay, so what's the vision? Boom. Know the Bible and share life with others. That, that is the vision of the church. And so how then does that practically play out? As we look at Acts 2, 42-47, you need to understand this is essentially the capstone of the New Testament church. While something very unique is happening in Acts, um, it is also a model or a blueprint that we can look at and model our church after. Again, I say it is a unique time in the church's history, i.e. in Acts chapter 5, the Holy Spirit kills somebody in the middle of the service. Okay, anybody ever been to that church service? No, glad, glad you haven't. Um, so it is a unique time in the church's history, yet what we see is a model or a picture of then how we should um, go about living our life and specifically uh, living our church life. So again, we are about knowing the Bible, sharing life with others. Let's look at Acts uh, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Okay, where do we have the apostles' teaching preserved for us? In the Bible, okay? So the New Testament church was essentially seeking to know the Bible, were they not? And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, sharing life with others. You guys are still with me. Come on, we can do this together. I know we can do it. Here we go. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Again, this breaking of bread um, would have certainly been a meal together. They, they would have got together, gathered in homes. They would have ate a meal together, okay? And they would also take the Lord's Supper together. They would uh, practice communion, and the fellowship, the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were being done through the apostles. Look at verse 44. And all who believed were together. So we're fellowshipping, we're together. Again, you, you're going to see this come out again and again through this text, that they're together, they're often eating, okay? Uh, so Christians like to hang out with one another. Christians like to eat good food, amen? Yeah. That's, that's good news. 
And all came, uh, verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all who had need. So uh, th- listen, they did not become a uh, communist society to where no one had possessions because we know that they were going from house to house, so they still owned their houses. Uh, but just like uh, Pastor David was just exhorting us, um, their stuff was not their God, and so they began to sell it to provide for the needs of other people. Um, you're going to see that they had joyful and glad hearts here in just a second. Why did they have joyful and glad hearts? Because their stuff didn't own them. And all who believed were together, again, sharing life with one another, and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing their proceeds to all as any has need, again, sharing their life with one another, verse 46, and day by day attending the temple together. What were they doing in the temple? Well, someone was standing and teaching, Someone was preaching God's word to them. They were seeking to know the Bible. Again, these are the two reoccurring themes that we see all throughout here. Breaking bread in their homes, they received their food. There they are eating again. Uh, They received their food with glad and generous hearts. Maybe we should change our (laughs) vision statement to include food somewhere in there. I'll I'll work on that. Uh, Attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Okay, Uh, again, you have to see that this is a costly vision. To, to devote your life to knowing the Bible and sharing life with other people, I promise you it's going to be messy, it's going to be difficult, it's going to be hard. Uh, people are going to get on your nerves, people are going to disappoint you, people are gonna say uh, something cross to you and, and you're gonna take offense at it. All of that is going to happen when you really share life with other people. It is a costly vision. These people were selling what they had to provide for other people. So what I'm, what I'm talking about is a costly vision, but don't miss what happens in the back half of 46 with glad and generous hearts. This is God's optimal plan for human flourishing. How does God want us to find joy, hope, peace, happiness? How does he want us to find that? He wants us to find that through knowing the Bible and sharing life with others. This is the pathway to have glad and generous hearts even through our suffering. This isn't the pathway to get out of suffering. Again, we, we all shared our experience from 2016. So knowing the Bible and sharing life with other people is not a pathway to get out of suffering, but it is God's methods and means for us to get through the suffering which he is using for our joy. Yeah. Now, before you think that this is a us for no more shut the door type of community, because it's all been about them being together, 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 fellowshipping together, eating food together. Look at this, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Here is what was happening. The the greatest evangelistic tool that there is is a community of believers who are seeking to know the Bible and are sharing their lives with one another. This is what the people who are lost, who are outside of the church, um, who, who are out there, this is what truly they're longing for. I mean, what's the deal with online gaming communities? Honestly, I find it a bit weird that what's happening is people are longing for true connection and community, and that is where essentially they're seeking out. And there's a hundred other clubs and and groups and communities and and, uh, CrossFit. I mean, CrossFit is sweeping the nation. Why? Because CrossFit has this way of creating this type of intertwined living life together community where there's encouragement, right? What is that saying? It's saying something about the human heart. 
It's saying that the human heart is really longing to know God and to share life with other people. That's, that's really what we're longing for. That's really what we're looking for. And so this is the greatest evangelistic tool that there is. If we're going to reach the nations, if we're going to give hope to Fayetteville and the world, then we must then be a people who know the Bible and share life with others. Practically speaking, here's what that means. What that text just did is essentially lay out for us a blueprint, and we have taken that blueprint and essentially made four practical steps. So again, we stated that our purpose this morning was going to be to unite right? To encourage uh, and, and to essentially give clear steps. And so David has led us in some clear steps. You, you need to tithe. Um, you need to tithe regularly. You need to give above and beyond um, when the Spirit leads, okay? So those are some clear steps for us moving forward in 2017. Here are four more practical steps. This is what we call the Bible's blueprint. So how are we going to see this great vision of knowing the Bible and sharing life together become a reality by doing these four things? Number one, Sunday morning gatherings. Now, Sunday morning gatherings is a service where we gather and honor the resurrection day of Christ for worship, the preaching of God's word, and the uh, observation of the sacraments. Again, this is what they were doing, attending the temple day by day. They, they were going into a collective church body to where the family of God was gathering together and where they were sitting under the preaching of God's word. Never neglect, never run away from, never look aside to where God is using a corporate body of people gathered together sitting under the preaching of God's word. This is one of God's primary means for transforming your life and transforming the world is the preaching of his word, which happens in the church gathering on a Sunday morning. So step one, how, how are we going to see this vision of knowing the Bible and sharing life together become a reality? Well, we're going to know the Bible because here at Gospel Community Church, we're preaching straight through books of the Bible, line by line, verse by verse, precept upon precept. This has been our way of doing that. So we're going to see this vision become a reality by attending Sunday morning gatherings too by attending men uh, and uh, by attending community groups. Okay, so number two, community groups. At community groups, we will gather together in homes, share a meal, discuss and apply scripture. Okay, um, I do my best each week to apply the word of God to your life. But at my best day, on my best day, maybe I get three of you. Okay, because I don't know all of you personally. I don't know what all of you are going through. I don't know what all of you are struggling with. This is what community group is for because you're going in, you're sharing your life with those people. They know you, they can see your blind spots. You can see theirs. A community group is a place to know and be known. So as you go there, you're taking that Bible knowledge and having it applied directly to your life. This is why community groups are so important. Again, how are we gonna share life together? How can we make this a measurable? How do you measure? you're sharing life together. That becomes really difficult, but it doesn't become difficult if we're consistently showing up to a community group, because if you're showing up to a community group, the odds are you are beginning to engage in sharing life with other people. Number three, men's and women's groups. Okay, listen to this carefully. These groups are gender-specific small groups in your community group that you connect with for prayer, repentance, accountability, and encouragement. So you're sitting in that living room. There are men and women in that living room. What a men's or women's group is, sometimes here we, we call them DNA groups, but men's and women's groups. So inside that community group, you and three other guys, if you're a guy, 
or if you're a lady, you and three other ladies, you're going to form a small gender-specific group inside of that group to where accountability, to where encouragement uh, is, is really going to happen. Listen to this. There are things dudes will not say and should not say that they struggle with in mixed company. Now, I am certainly talking about sexual issues, but I also mean the feeling of isolation, frustration at fatherhood, the feeling of depression, loneliness. And so God ordained uh, a good and godly connection between uh, gender-specific groups. Again, I'm thinking Titus 2, where it says the older women should teach the younger women, older men should teach younger men. There's a God-ordained thing that happens there. And so inside of our community groups, what we do is we uh, break up into even smaller groups called men's groups and women's groups. And this is something that we are calling you to do. Now, I know that most people will do one and two. I know that most people in our church will attend Sunday morning gatherings and most people will get to community groups. That's been statistically what's happened here from day one, but crossing over into steps three and four is where our church has struggled. And I'm telling you right now, you are not going to get all that the Lord has for you in the life of this church unless you are willing to engage in steps three and four. Number one, Sunday morning gatherings. Number two, community groups. Number three, men's and women's groups. And number four, Sunday night studies. During these studies, we will go further and deeper into the knowledge of the Bible and the application of it to specific areas we all need help in. On Sunday night studies, what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be doing a men's Bible study. We're going to be doing a women's Bible study, uh, hopefully a parenting class. We're going to be doing Theology 101. These are all areas that we need further help in, further explanation on. And as we meet and gather on Sunday mornings, we're traveling through books of the Bible, yet there are specific areas in our life where we need help and where we need to go further uh, and, and deeper. And that is what Sunday night studies are designed to do. Again, most people engage in one and two without really stepping over into steps three and four. And I'm telling you right now, you are going to miss all that God has for you unless you are willing to engage in all of this blueprint, okay? So how can we know? How can we know that we're knowing the Bible and sharing life together? Well, the Bible's blueprint, what we saw right there in Acts, the Bible's blueprint, which we just laid out in those four steps, is handcrafted to help us know God's word and share life with others. The Bible's blueprint cultivates knowledge of the gospel and demands life with others. I want you to see how these four things help us do that. These four things help us walk out the vision of knowing the Bible and sharing life with others. Look, at the end of the day, I want to see hurting people get help. Friends, at, at the end of the day, I want to see broken people being restored. I mean, can, can you see? I want you to get this vision. I want you to see it. I, I want you to feel it down in your soul. If you're a member here, please hear me. I want you to get this vision down in your soul. I want you to envision the broken coming through those doors, the, the abused coming through those doors, the ultra-religious people who think that, that by obeying the rules, God will love them, coming through those doors and, and buying into and getting this vision deep down in their soul and, and realizing that there's true hope in the gospel. I mean, do, do you want to see people who've been abused get help? 
Do, do you want to see people who are broken, just, just racked with addiction and depression, really find hope? Well, it's here. It's in God's word. And it's our vision in 2017 to see this go forward. There's some real practical steps of giving and, and, and giving regularly and giving above and beyond. There's some real practical steps. We're, we're asking you to get here. If we're going to boil it down to two things, you need to give and you need to show up. This is how we're going to see that hope really take root in your life and, and also take root in the lives of the people who live around us. I said that though this has been a, a difficult year um, for me and for my family, I believe in this vision more than I ever have before. And I'm asking every single member to give themselves to this vision and to give themselves to this blueprint which this church is laying out before you so that we might see this hope Friends, the gospel hope of Jesus Christ go out throughout all Fayetteville and the world. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, um, we stand before you as uh, humble and broken men um, using the skills in which you've given us um, to, to lead this church body as faithfully as we can, Lord uh, I, I pray now for faithfulness, Lord. Help us to be faithful. Help us to never take our hand off the plow. Help us to keep our eyes forward, our eyes focused on what really matters. Lord, help us to not work ourselves to exhaustion. Give us the assurance in your sovereignty uh, to slow down and rest so that we're making good and wise decisions. Help us to lead with integrity, Lord. I just pray right now for a, a hedge of protection uh, around not only David and myself, but the other leaders in this church. Uh, keep us away from sexual temptation. Uh, keep us away from the temptation of money. Uh, these two great giants that often take down leaders. Lord, keep us far, far away from that. I pray now specifically for Gospel Community Church that we would all unite under this flag, the flag of Jesus, first and foremost, but we would all unite in this vision uh, to know the Bible and to share life with others, bringing hope to Fayetteville and the world. Uh, let this sink deep down into our hearts. Let us pray for it. Let us long for it. Let us constantly be begging you uh, to make these things a reality as we move forward together in 2017 and beyond. We can only do it with you, Lord. We can only do it with you. It's all you. And so, Lord, we need your help now, and we ask for it. And we ask it in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.